Welcome to the Fatty Z Muskie Podcast. I'm Andy. Going solo today in the uh, podcast studio. I got Ranger to my left, but I got Vance and Todd on the phone. Hi, Vance. Hello. Hi, Todd. I'm here. Hello. Uh, so, everyone's here. No guests today. So, it's just going to be us. We got a lot to talk about. So, um, this show is brought to you by Fatty Z Muskie Products. FattyZMuskie.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Check out the baits. The online store is, I'd like to say it's up to date. You can uh, find probably better inventory at Muskie Tackle Online. And you can get some exclusive colors at Team Rhino Outdoors. You can also go to Hogan's Hut up by Chautauqua Lake. Uh, that's Stone, New York, and get some baits there. They're freshly stocked about a week or so ago, Vance. Yeah, about a week or so ago. They said yeah. they're selling already, so. Nice. Good for, good for them. And um, so it's getting to be that time, guys. Tell us about the uh, the guide service. Muddy Creek Fishing Guides, mcfishingguides.com. Give us a call. We have very limited dates in that first maybe six weeks of the season. Uh, booked two, another one on the line, three for Vance today. I'm already booked up, but you know, give us a call even if you, even if you're not sure uh, uh, if you're gonna, if you know when you're gonna be there, give us a call. Uh, we'll we'll do our best. We do get cancellations every once in a while, so uh, rest of the summer, fall, still looking good there. So. Uh, get a hold of us. We're going to do our best to get you out and get you on some fish. That's what we do. All muskies, all the time. Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> St. Croix rods, best rods on earth. Uh, if you're out in the market, you know, we've, we said this many times. Uh, most, I'm going to say, seasoned anglers know St. Croix. So they're known for their quality, mostly made in America. They got a great warranty. And, you know, it's they're just all they're, that. that- cliche backbone thing that people talk about when they're saying stuff about rods that's there too i'm sure okay that means you know this thing apparently has a nervous system these rods yeah good backbone and some spinal fluid (laughs) Mm -hmm. so So check that out do that and vic uh vance we're going to be talking about some boats where did you get those boats we got them in Vicks Marine, Vicks Sports Center out in Kent, Ohio. Uh, check them out. They do a plethora of boats up there, Starcraft, Star Welds. And what Todd and I got in, uh, Rangers. And this is also brought to you by Ranger Boats. We'll be talking a little bit about that today. Um, super excited about it. Check out Vicks for Service, too. They saved my guide season two years ago, no doubt. So check them out. Perfect. Is there anything that we want to talk about that's Muskies Inc. related? Muskies Inc. Chapter 69, the Chautauqua Lake Showdown put on by uh, Chapter 69 and Zach Baker. That's going to be at Chautauqua Lake June 23rd. 25 bucks for members, 35 for non-members. There's a big fish pot you could throw in. I think it's five bucks. It's a one-day tournament. It's going to be a uh, you know, a, uh, some awards and some prizes at the end. There's going to be a little, uh, raffle table. There's a lot of stuff for kids going on after the show. Um, 
check that out. It's going to be a good tournament. Todd and I can't fish in it. We're booked up. Um, but I'm sure we'll see everybody out there. Yeah. Now just, uh, break down for those who don't know, how is the scoring? How, how oh, it's they, uh, uh, best, best three fish in inches is what they're doing. Okay. Um, on Chautauqua Lake. So. And the big fish pot is just the longest fish. Correct. So the longest single fish caught in the tournament. And you have to enter into that. So if there's mm-hmm. a guy that catches like, you know, like the very common 60-incher that lays under everyone's dock. <clears throat> and if they didn't pay their $5, is that what it was, $5? I think that's what, yeah, that's what I'm seeing on the flyers here. It's five bucks for Five dollars. So. so if they wanted to save an Abe Lincoln and they caught that 60 incher that no one can seem to find, but everyone sees, mm-hmm. they're probably going to lose out on that because they yeah. didn't enter it. So it's a nice round number two, two twenties or 20 and a 10. It's going to be a, uh, it's going to be a big tournament. I know a lot of people that are hopping in it. So it's going to be a busy, busy, busy day. It's going to be exciting out there. I'm going to mm-hmm. stay far away because I'm going to be serving cake and singing happy birthday. So, yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Got to do it. Got to do it. Yeah. And so that that's put on by, you know, that's a Muskie's Inc. chapter putting that on. Is there, I mean, really, this, this, this club sounds great if they're putting on tournaments. Did they do anything else? Are you talking about Muskie's Inc., INC? Yo-yo up down? <laughs> I think that's it. I'm going to put it. that on a shirt. The wrapping Muskie's Inc.? Yes, I think you are talking about Muskie's Inc. <laughs> Muskie's Inc. is the only, I mean, it's the only national organization we have in muskie fishing. There's been many, I've watched many others try. Uh, we, you know, locally here, people try to do things that they just never gained much uh much steam so if you're if you're into muskie fishing check it out check out muskie's inc you can look that up online they have family memberships single people memberships you can sign up for three years you can sign up for a lifetime membership if you want uh there's a voice there our our club has used it once our club got organized and went to the pennsylvania fish commission we got changes done and i don't think it could have happened without uh, being a member of Muskie's Inc. And, and being a part of that national organization that had, you know, six, 7,000 members. And, you know, they, they, they have a say uh, that, that, you know, there's some backbone there. Uh, like a St. Croix. Well, yeah. Like a St. Croix. Lots of, lots of, uh, lots of chapters, almost every state that has Muskie's. There's a chapter near you. Check them out. Uh, check out your local chapter. They're putting on tournaments. Most of the chapters, there's a lot of fun. You get access to the uh, lunge log online. You're looking at th- hundreds of, th- there are three, probably, it's probably getting close to 400,000 fish registered. You can check out what's happening on, on lakes and what what fish have been caught there in, the, in years past and what guys were using and methods. Uh, it's, it, it's a neat, uh, it's a neat thing to check out, especially when you're getting ready to go to a new place. So check out your your local chapter; they're out there. A uh, lot of fun. We've had a lot of fun doing those local tournaments and uh, being a member and you know sending in. You know, I did a couple years, maybe three or four years. I sent in my releases and getting into the national thing, and yeah, it, it can be a lot of fun. Check. They're out. coming out. They're coming out with that. 
an app as well for your cell phone. Uh, I just got an email from them. It sounds like they're they're finalizing it right now, and it, it might drop this season uh, for, for musky fishermen. So you can access that lunge log and uh, register your fish right there on the water, which is pretty that'd cool. Be, that'd be cool. I yeah. mean, I, I could just see fish being entered, just like the amount of fish being entered, just doubling and tripling because of the ease these over here on the, on the yeah i mean now now you can do it online you can do it on your computer but before you had to like write a letter and stamp or something yeah yeah before i was doing this i i would go get 50 photocopies of the form made out and sit there and fill each one out wow that's the way it started now did you have to take the feather and dip it in ink no, no, it wasn't that long ago. Come on now. No, but yeah, I mean uh, that—that's what it was. My I, dearest muskies ink. <laughs> I, I filled in, the, you know, you filled in the name and the address. You did everything you could, photocopied that, and then you just dumped in the, the lake, what lure. You put that all in there, and I—I I remember putting them in these big envelopes, taking it to the mailbox, and mailing them in. Uh, so it's become a lot easier, as is it many things in our lives yeah no but back then you had to keep the original because if you started photocopying the photocopies photocopies today are like dead nuts perfect you can't tell if they're yeah. 10 years ago things would get fuzzy and start losing and if you use the original and you photocopied one of the copies it just gets to where it's just an ink blob yeah it was mm-hmm. ter- it was terrible so that was the stuff that like kids these days didn't know about was that- and this is stuff that I was doing 20 years ago. And believe me, I didn't have a home computer. I had to go get these made somewhere, <laughs> you know, a library or something. Yeah. Yeah. He had to I go to, to the quarry and get some tablets. <laughs> I went to the Minuteman press and they printed them off. Yeah. yeah. Even if, if you went to the library 20 years ago and printed something 50 times, that person would be so pissed because those printers... <laughs> You remember how slow they were and yeah. seemed, like how taxing it, looked, it seems like they put a lot of ink into them, you know, it was just, yeah. a lot of UV light coming out. Yeah. Uh, I remember when they came out with like the laser printer initially, do you remember, Andy, you probably got one of those at, at the, uh, your parents' place. Yeah. We, we have a laser printer. Yeah. Like when those things first dropped and like you just hit print and the thing just kind of appeared. Rather than that thing going like you know, making lines, yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. the I, I like the printers, and I know a place that still runs this. It's an auto parts store, very local. It's a mom and pop that had the hole punched, perforated edges that it, it uses like this big antique wheel thing that drives through the holes. You know what I'm talking about? Wow! And you have to pull <laughs> off the the edges. Good Lord, it's so behind up here. It's insane. <laughs> it is just so slow. This printer, every time I go in there to, you know, to get whatever, I make a comment, like something stupid, like the Smithsonian <laughs> called, they want their printer yeah. back. But it's just, it's just so neat because it's like, it sounds so Come horrendous. Like, Did you hear we landed on the moon? <laughs> 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 But it still works. I mean, anymore, you go and buy anything, and it's like six months later, it breaks. You don't even like, oh, let's fix it. It's just you can't throw it over your shoulder quick enough to put a new yeah. one in its place. Yeah, I know. 
<laughs> it's probably anyway, using uh, like a ribbon, <laughs> like a typewriter. <laughs> Amazing. Anyways, we got off well, subject a little bit. There. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Muskies Inc. Muskies I N C Yo Yo. Okay. Check it out. Amazing. Getting a shirt made Fat for a- Todd. What about what about Fat AZ Muskie products? Check out our stuff. Glide baits, jerk baits. We didn't talk about that. No, I rushed through it so I could talk about printers. I had this plan. Yeah, I, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, but you can go ahead and check out all the baits. I'm going to revisit this one since Vance brought it up. Uh, the, the Raptors, we got the 6-inch, the 8-inch, the 8-inch soft tail, the 10-inch. Uh, low in inventory on most of them. Uh, like I've already said, you can hop on Team Rhino Outdoors for exclusive colors and Musky Tackle Online for more of the standard colors we also have the swim baits which only the local stores have uh the eight inch the six inch and the ten inch if you want to hear them out of order from smallest to largest which isn't in order anymore but anyways um i have some some colors left over there i don't want to say they're show colors but they're non-standard colors i have some i have some lemon heads some mud puppies and the curtains closed i can't tell you what else is there but the stingers are glide bait it's about eight and a half inches. Nice three hooks on it. I like the bait. I always have one with me. So check them out. I have some videos. I think I have videos posted. If not, they're on yeah, the YouTube. Yeah, you do on Facebook. Yeah, on Facebook you can find them. I keep forgetting about Facebook actually being like a thing on the internet. I'm I'm still just old enough to be like, oh yeah, the internet's websites. Mm-hmm. It's really like, you know, anymore Facebook is just an app. Mm-hmm. So, but if if there's anything that you uh you know question inventory wise, be free to get in touch with me and all through the, through all those channels that I talked about previous. So, Vance has rod holders. Right. about this. Anyway, go ahead. Yes, Vance, you want to talk about rod holders? Yeah, check them out. They're the best. Done. Okay. All right. So, end of story. Yes. Anybody else want to contribute so I can just keep stumbling on this transition? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Moving forward here. This is Vance has an if you had to choose that's going to play into the topic a little bit. So we're going to kind of have like a seamless transition here. Just going to kick this this conversation off. I just given a little what's going to happen. Go, okay. on. go on, Vance. I got right, there I go. If you guys had to choose, would you choose on your trailer the tow with a single axle or a dual axle? Now, I have a follow-up question or should I just take the way it's worded at face value? Follow up. Okay. You said toe with a tandem or a single. Yeah. Can we exchange that with own? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So on your on your rig, would you anything you're anything you're pulling, would you rather have a single or a a dual? I've had both. And now I, I I can, I've also had utility trailers that, you know, a a trailer's a trailer, but it isn't. And, and we're going to 
get more into this a little bit, you know, more in the podcast. But um, for my current boat situation with my 17-foot boat, I, I, I just want to stick with a single. It's it's very light. I enjoy being able to push it around. Um, however, when I had the Crestliner, I had the option. So I'm... So the answer for the current rig is I like my single. Mm-hmm. I'm going to back up because my Crestliner was, you know, 20 foot. It's it's essentially the same size as Vance's last two boats. And I had the option when I bought that boat, it was used. But the trailer that it would have come with, the marina's like, we bought another trailer for this. If you wanted to save a couple grand, we can give you the trailer that it came with. It just never showed well on that trailer. Or you can get this brand new one. The one it came with was a single axle. The one that they bought for it to make it put lipstick on it was a nice tandem. Mm-hmm. I, I can't up, believe they had a boat that big on a single, but I I'm not, I know. I mean, I even I saw it. It was there, and and mm-hmm. they were completely right. The trailer was had like road chips and stuff from it, and it was rusting, and it did not show the boat well. Mm-hmm. But when you saw it on the new tandem. It just looked much better. And mm-hmm. without a doubt, the tandem on something that big. It pulled nice. It sucked a push in the con- <clears throat> on the concrete if it wasn't hooked up to a, you know, an automobile. So they just, mm-hmm. they pull nice. Mm-hmm. The singles. Well, I mean, the tandems pull nice because the the, the way the load mm-hmm. is, is distributed. But the, the, the handling... The human engine really likes the singles. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, but Todd's kind of falling in the middle there because, you know, you get a 20 foot boat, it's gigantic. Mm-hmm. Todd's getting his is what, not quite 19, but it's flirting with it. Yeah. 18, 10 or something. Yeah. So now, Todd, what what's your thought on that? Yeah, I mean, I got the new one ordered in, and I got a double on there. I had a single on the lunge for all those years, and, I mean, as Andy said, it was much easier to hook up because I just had to get generally there. I could still move the thing around. I will say this. I had a couple flat tires over the years, and it is kind of catastrophic when you only have one axle (laughs) and there's one tire. By the time you get off the road, it was, you know, beating the crap out of the fender. It's not like a flat tire in a car. A flat tire in a car just goes flat. Yeah. At least in my experience. Flat tire, when I've been pulling trailers, which happened to me with utility trailers and my boat trailer, you know, by the time you know that it's flat, by the time you get off the road, it is like, it's not flat. They're like coming apart. It, Yeah, it's kind of like that story I told a year or so ago about Luke and his Ford probe with the recaps and the car started to shake yeah. and he kept driving and by the time we actually did decide to stop, it was gone. Yeah. And because I mean, you're it, not driving the trailer, you're pulling it. No. You have no idea sometimes that something's going bad until someone comes up next to you and like giving you the universal stop and they're pointing back. Yeah. Because your trailer's on fire because the bearing seized yeah. and like, you know, <laughs> yeah. flames are yeah. shooting out. I mean, I think I caught them when I had my flat tires but quickly. But by the time I did, when I got off the road, it was like, oh, geez, you know, it, believe me, you're not using fix a flat. <laughs> no, you're not. This is you all need, really, 
This you is need all... like fix a fender. Fix a yeah. fender. Because <laughs> and that don't come in a can. It does not come in a can because it not only did it go flat, it beat the crap out. I mean, the the one happened right here by my house. We were coming home from Lake Erie on a walleye trip that I did, and uh, you know I had to. Luckily, I was close enough to home. I just unhooked. I just unhooked the boat ran home and i mean i got pliers and hammers and i had to beat the fender off to because i wouldn't have been able to put the new tire on oh god uh, and it happened quick but i will say this it happened in a construction zone all the ones that I ever had on that boat maybe three times i had flat tires every time it happened right as soon as i got out of the construction zone you know you're going through there you got this wide trailer and you're going through the jersey barriers and the and the, the cones and stuff. And th- there's barely enough room to fit through mm-hmm. and all that, de- all that debris up there. And I know I cut the tire or, you know, punctured it or something, but it's so far gone that when you actually go there, you can't perform a, no, you know, no, you can't change it. You got to go to an auto box. <laughs> you just got to get, yeah. You got to like fix stuff. So yeah, but I, I pulled, lots of boats that had dual axles, you know, I pulled Vance's a few times and some other friends of mine. And yeah, they pull nice. And I have seen, you know, people at gas stations where they stop to get gas and they notice, Oh wow, that tire's flat, but you can still get by on the other one. You know, it doesn't, it's not as catastrophic. Mm-hmm. Uh, my uncle who did construction work and pulled trailers his whole life, you know, was telling me that, he says you'll get more flats on that duel because that front tire on your trailer will kick something into the back tire. Uh, I don't know. Do you think that's the case, Andy? There's some logic behind that. If if, yeah. if there was a nail laying flat and you hit it with the front mm-hmm. and, and you could almost just give it a little pop-up. Mm-hmm. It, you increase your chances. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he says. You know, he says you definitely get more flats. And it's I know the back tire on my trailer on my uh, 205 tiller. I changed, you know, prior to selling it, I changed three tires on it. They were pretty worn. And, and I don't know if we brought it up, but it was, they were kind of like Flintstone tires. They wore really it was just odd. They were rock. <laughs> Did you say like Flintstones? Square, you know? Like, oh, okay. Yeah, they were like square, and I started to hear them and 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 stuff. It was like I was one of those guys in like a lifted Jeep and studded tires for no reason, and um, <laughs> that drove on drove on the road, and uh, I was just like, that's so strange. And then I like just checked it out. I think mm-hmm. we were just we were BSing about it on this podcast, and I was like, I better I better check some stuff here. And I was like, yeah. oh, my God, that is, that's hideous. I don't even know what to do right now because, like, three of them were gone. And I had to get through, like, the week of charters. And luckily, we only tow, like, you know, half a mile a day. Yeah. Uh, but it's weird how, how they, uh, I mean, I guess with a, you know, with a tandem, you have more things to worry about. Obviously, you have two more tires there and a set of brakes. Uh, and and as, as Andy said, I've only hooked up three times now, but it is a, it's it's you. It's a little more of a pain to build up. There's no doubt. Mm-hmm. I remember my single was so nice, and uh, 
you know, tow, towing's whatever. I mean, it's back yeah. there. You can barely feel them in the trucks we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, the backing up of the trailers is is so much easier with the single. Uh, yeah. Just a quick, you know, quick turn of the wheel, and that thing could be jackknifed on you. But it's it's so much more simple in, in close close quarters just to, to back that thing up in a, in a ramp and whatnot. And, uh, I mean, I like that about the singles, but, mm-hmm. um, I think with the more driving and the, and the towing that we're doing, I, I certainly feel, uh, you know, like you got nine lives back there. You got yeah. you know, something, yeah. something's going to, if something happens, I'll be able to, you know, at least get to, uh, point B to, to get fixed up. Yep. Yeah. Like I know that I just, uh, when I was uh, down on the border in Texas, I mean, quarter mile into my little weekend getaway, I popped a tire. Did and, you? Uh, oh, yeah. I, uh, we went off-roading. I had this little mid-sized truck, and uh, we went off-roading. As soon as I hit it, that, we, you know, I kind of gave it the, you know, should we take this road? It's quicker to get to this location that we want to go hiking, or should we take this paved scenic drive? And I was like, I really like off-roading. So and we had this truck. So I was like, I'm just going to go off-roading. And I hit a cactus. Like, Okay, so you decided to take a shortcut <laughs> in a rental car. Was this like an actual road, or you're just like, yeah. look, I can see the, you know, the trailhead over here. Let's just cut across this, like, cactus field. Oh field yeah it was in the middle of the desert and i just crushed the i mean it it was a road you know but it was just unpaved junk and holes and stuff and i uh and there's a cactus in the middle of the road yeah i i clipped this cactus and and i stopped (laughs) for no reason to take a picture because i was just alone and the views were stunning and it was like this you know like high grass on on the outs on the, like the, the banks of these roads that were kind of hissing in the wind so i get out of the car and i hear it and i'm like i popped a tire no it's the grass and then my fiance gets out and she's like honey they this tire's hissing at us and i was like okay. no that's the rattlesnake was, around the yeah I was just gonna say, where is it a I was like this rattlesnake. I was just like, oh, son of a, you know, this sucks so bad right now. I was, like, was finally er, er away for, for a minute here and I have to deal with this. And, uh, you know, I'm panicking at this point because I have no idea. It's a rental car. I have no idea where the jack is, the bolt, anything like that. You don't that. need a jack. I, I am a jack. I, I couldn't find it. I couldn't find it in the car. We're looking at it and this tire's like hissing and I'm, I'm like 50, 50 on, I should drive back to this like town that has 76 total people in it to try and go to the one tire shop. It, it was, it was scary. That's how I would feel if I had a single. Mm -hmm. What alone and abandoned in the middle of the desert with a flat tire on the border. And I had to go to like, you know, Jorge's tire shop. It was, I made the decision to. <laughs> was it Jorge Rodriguez? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or do you think Juan that Ro- you were like a I, home shot version of the Hills Have Eyes? It it was it was like that, man. I was <laughs> in the habitable land, you know. And and I just hopped back in the truck. I made a decision. I was like, 
I can't find this thing right now. We're going to go dead flat here. And so I just booked it back to town as fast as I could with the mirror on the Tyler. I was like on the tire. I had her stick her head out the window a couple of times just to look to see if we were like, you know, just to see if it was like fully flat. So you took charge of the situation and you just, how fast were you going? Was it affecting you? Like the, the, well, the tire? I started at like 50 and then it was still, it was hissing, but it was, you know, we were, we were afloat. And so then I, it turned into like 70 and it turned into like 80. <laughs> and then I hit this hill and, you know, we were, we were, we were, we were scooting in this little thing. We like pulled into this gas station. I did like a, just like a spin dust was everywhere. I was like, Hell. <laughs> And they fixed you up. I bought a bunch of fix a flat and they had the call. The, the tire shop was closed. Poor haste. Yeah, it was. Uh, so I used fix a flat that didn't work. It was a giant puncture. And then after, after I was in like an area with, with other people, I felt more comfortable to kind of gut this truck to find things. And I finally found it and jacked it up and changed the tire. It was Tell me it was a donut. Tell me it was a donut. Mm -mm. Dang it. The same thing. It was the same tire. Just like on a, uh, you know, not the same rim, but it was, it was good. I was able to go, you know. Perfect. That stuff makes me nervous. So, uh, what tires on the tires on the, on the trailer trailer. Yeah. I had to, I had to do it once, but I used, I used the jack that came with my truck to put it on the trailer, you know, and, uh, it just, it just sucks changing a tire on the side of a road on a busy mm-hmm. interstate. It just doesn't, it doesn't feel safe. And depending on which way the tire is, and, you know, it's generally, uh, you know, not a flat surface and, you know, See, I, care, a, I, care, a, a solid... I carry a floor jack with me. Mm-hmm. Because what, what, I've been what, in situations where it was mm-hmm. like, I can't even. And that's a good idea. Get this thing jacked up. Yeah. Some some of the jacks that come with these trucks are very, they're, they're small. Oh, they they yeah. fit underneath. So, you know, you put an 18 wheeler, say that drives by you at 70 mile an hour, it kicks off some <laughs> wind. And if you're a little, if you're a little bit off center and on, on a slope, I mean, you know, if, if that boat is jacked up, you know, you certainly can let it, you certainly can get it to fall off the jack with how small these things are. So it's a, it's smart to carry uh, a floor jack with you. I, yeah. I try to time my uh, flat tires with, you know, a heavy enough rain that you, you don't really feel like you should hide in the car. And I prefer it at dusk and I like to save my battery. So I leave the lights off. Yeah. That's yeah. when I prefer to be That's... changing the tire on the, on the roadside on the of the trail. Line. Yes. Yeah. Just so for all all those emergency reasons I I would I, I'd like the, the duel, you know, for that reason. You know, they're paying to back up at points. Um but you know, and they sound a little different. You know, sometimes when I'm when I kick it into reverse real quick it jacks the brakes up and i you know that i feel that trailer moving and stuff and it just whatever you muscle through it but 
You know, I find it interesting, and I understand, at least I think I understand for the most part, you know, the boats have the surge brakes. Where For anyone who doesn't know what a surge brakes are, is that the, the coupler that goes onto the ball that, that's connected to the hitch or bumper of your truck, it, it can slide forward and backward. And when you're pulling it, it's going to want to extend all the way. And <clears throat> say you want to hit the brakes. You hit the brakes, the trailer's going to try to push the truck because there's weight behind it. And when it pushes the truck, now the ball starts squeezing, putting pressure to essentially shorten the tongue length of the trailer. And when it's doing that, it's actually applying uh, hydraulic pressure to your brakes. So there's there's a master cylinder in there, and it's it just squeeze and it squeezes the brakes and it slows down. And it's it's very simple and effective. And I don't see that on really any other style trailer other than Marine. Mm-hmm. Todd, have you seen it used anywhere else? No, they're all electric. Yeah, they're all you know electric brakes. And it, it probably has to do with the fact that you just said they're electric because you don't really yeah. want to be sinking your electric brakes underwater. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. There's corrosion and other stuff like that. But Much nicer now because they've gone to disc. I mean, back even back when I bought my one... That was the like the first one of the first times they had that option that you could do with it. They used to have these drums, and oh my gosh, God, they were... yeah, the the disc brakes are <laughs> in the water every day. <laughs> yeah, Todd, Todd's connection is is pretty bad, but you know, back in the day, the drum brakes, which um, there's there's two main style of brakes out there. You got to have a drum brake where the pads are actually, they, they I'm going to say they, they look like watermelon slices, like the rinds of it. And they get pushed outward to a drum that is like a band that is, you know, it, it's it's uh, driven by the wheel. The wheel's connected to it through the hub. And it just pushes outward and it rides on the inside of this, I'm going to just say the drum. Can't think of a better word to describe it at this point. Versus, you know, disc brakes, which are a lot more common where there's, a you know whatever it is a a disc that gets squished from each side <clears throat> causing friction so we'll, you you can generally see disc brakes on the fronts of cars those backs back brakes of cars they're they're starting to become more discs but there's still a lot of drum brakes but the front brakes it's it's shiny and they and they pinch on it and there's less moving parts there's you know no springs to pull stuff back it's it's a very nice self-adjusting system. So those are the two main styles of brakes there. Um, which, you know, before the show, we were talking about getting, at least in Pennsylvania law, we'll, we'll break this down a little bit. Um, in Pennsylvania, if you have a trailer that... Oh gosh, and I... This is crazy. Yeah. This is this is starting to get kind of confusing, and I'm trying to think of a way I can wade into this. So in Pennsylvania, the, my line of thinking for many years has been, if you have a trailer that is rated for over 3,000 pounds, it's actually 2,999 or 2,990, you need to have this trailer inspected. And for people that live in states that have inspections, you know what I'm talking about. But those that don't, once a year you have to take your 
car or trailer into a garage and they have to look it over. It has to meet certain safety requirements in order to be allowed to drive it again or, you know, for another year. And in Pennsylvania, that is anything, any trailer over 3,000 pounds. And for the longest time, I'm not going there quite yet. I'm going to explain. So with the trailer rating of about 3,000 pounds, that is the weight of the trailer plus the its potential payload. And generally a single axle trailer, generally there's exceptions, will be rated for 2,990 pounds. And then you don't need an inspection. But as soon as you start getting into a tandem trailer, that's when flags start flying. Is it like, well, if you have two 3,000 pound axles, we're expecting you to have a combined vehicle weight on this of over 3,000 pounds. So you're going to get this inspected. However, like Vance's boat has a tandem and you're probably, you're, you're big enough to, to, to fall over that. But in the case of my Crestliner that I talked about earlier, I had the option of getting the trailer to be rated, even though it was a tandem, he still had it registered under 3000 pounds because it was borderline. He, he said you could probably get away with it because once a year, that's a giant pain in the rear to go to a garage, have them check it, you know, make the appointment, you wait for it, all that stuff. So I slid on that one, but in the case that's like, say that boat wasn't that light and I did need to get this thing inspected and I've heard people, I I don't know anyone that's personally really had to do this or I might have, but they've never told me the story in Pennsylvania. You need to have, if you're registered over 3000 pounds, you have to have brakes on both axles. Not all tandem trailers come with brakes on both axles. And I've heard uh, yours. This one, yeah, the, our the, the new boats came with them on both axles. I, I, okay, yeah, we looked at that before we even ordered. Most companies aren't doing that; they they just have them on one axle. Okay, yeah, and I'm I'm finding that out as well because I'm looking for a longer utility trailer to haul my tractor and other stuff, and that's a big deal. Is like I'm looking at a state because of this one this one brand that I'm looking for. And it's, they're like, oh yeah, it's all ready to go. I'm like, is there brakes on both axles? They're like, oh, you're in Pennsylvania. I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, this is a Pennsylvania thing, maybe. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And it, they're like, yeah, it's going to, we'll have to try to find you one or we'll switch out the axles. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's yeah. such a pain. And, and, and I, you know, we, I'm kind of went a little bit deeper into this just mm-hmm. for anyone out there that's looking, maybe they're buying a boat out of state. They might want to, it's easy to overlook the trailer yeah. because you might get it in here and all of a sudden, Hey, I need to I'm buy brakes for this other yeah. axle. Right. And we, obviously this, this has been topic of this discussion amongst the three of us because we just have registered, uh, you know, our boats and in, in trailers in Pennsylvania. But, um, I'm, the gray area for me is it the trailer 
3,000 pounds, like the actual thing that you're pulling without the boat or with the boat on it. That's what, because I, I feel like with your single handy, I feel like we could load that up with 3,000 pounds at a, any given point. And like your, your trailer, say we put, I don't know, 3,000 pounds of stuff on there, a tractor and a pallet or something. Yeah. We probably would be at 3,000 pounds, right? Yeah, it's very easy to overload a utility mm-hmm. trailer. Because yeah, because one, the, the trailer itself weighs 1,000. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe. Maybe, yeah. And 2,000 pounds isn't, isn't that much to really put on there. I mean, one day you might be hauling, you know, 12-foot 2 by 4s The next day you have 8 yards of mulch on there. Mm-hmm, yeah. And pick up a- 2,000 pounds of gravel, you can put it in. Yeah. Yeah. So, like. so do you yeah. get it, do you get it registered for what you're potentially able to put on there or do you just. Well, th- th- there's generally like, at least, at least in the utility world, there's, it's say this is a 3,500 pound axle. So mm-hmm. that's like, you know, saying, you know, this, this widget is capable of this. You go beyond this, it's it's on you at that point. You're probably going to break it. Um, mm-hmm. Being that it's it's an axle, there's probably a safety factor of two to three to one on it. So you you know you can overload it, but it's like anything. You see one, you're like, I'm not making two trips at the gravel pit. Just just load it up. I'll go slow. You know, mm-hmm. it it happens all the time. With a boat, it's it's a little bit more special because not a lot of people will dunk their boat and then be like. All right, I'm going to go get six yards of cement on this thing. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, yeah, it gets gets in that gray area because for me, I had that single, my my tandem on the Crestliner, one had brakes, one didn't. But because I didn't have to get it inspected, it didn't matter. Even though I had 3,500-pound axles on it, you know, I could have taken up to 7,000 pound, you know, of the weight. Um, mm-hmm. because my load was a boat and the, and, and I, I'm not picking on anyone at the, like the, the, like the notaries and stuff like that. They don't know the rules either. When you ask the questions, no, no, no they, they don't know that they have no idea. And it, it's, and, and sometimes you even ask, you know, some people in the enforcement, you're like, well, what about this situation? And they're like, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm sure there's some that do. I haven't met one yet. I also don't talk to a lot of people on the enforcement side of this stuff. So, um, but I know that like, I'm I'm thinking with my, you know, and and I'm thinking back on my last boat, the 205 competitor tiller. Okay. Okay. So without the motor, it weighed 1600 pounds. Okay. And then let's just say the motor on there, I think it was, you know, I think it was 400 something. So I'm at, you know, a little bit over two G's there. And then, you know, the, the trailer had to weigh a thousand pounds at least. You had six batteries in there. I had six. Ba- yeah. The whole <laughs> floorboard was battery. <laughs> six batteries. And then you also throw in 40 gallons of fuel at, you know, it's six pounds a gallon and, you know, there's so not... I was, yeah, I was rocking three thousand, three thousand there, but I never got it uh, inspected. 
Yeah, the biggest thing would be is if they were to, you know, if, if DOT pulled you over and they jacked up jacked up the trailer and they put scales underneath it, they could probably prove it. Mm-hmm. That you were over overloaded and at that point you're at the mercy of them. Yeah. Hmm. That is really crazy stuff, you know. I want to say that it's if your trailer's 3,000 pounds, you have to get it inspected. You know, it doesn't say... So what you're saying is if the trailer itself weighs that much, empty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I was told. I took it to a place to get mine inspected, and they said, you, uh, a trailer doesn't weigh 3,000 pounds. So, yeah, that's what, you know, so but they don't ask you like, hey, do you ever plan on you got this trailer here do you plan on all and over making this thing over three thousand pounds if you do we better yeah get you of course it's a, it's it's some of the same people when i was saying i need to come get the they said you got to bring the trailer because you bought it out of state and i said so i got to tow the boat here she said i don't have to see the boat you just bring the trailer God, yeah. and i'm like the uh the trailer is on the boat or the, the boat is on the trailer, rather. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I I have to bring the whole rig. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know if they know. And, and, and that's the confusing part because, you know, I, I don't want to sit here and bellyache over stuff, but I'll, I sent Vance and Todd a photo about two weeks ago. Remember that of the guy with all that junk? I've never seen a car piled with so much junk. Do you remember that, oh, yeah. guys? It was yes. incredible. There was a mattress. There was a dresser set. Yeah. There was a screen door on the roof standing mm-hmm. upright. And this mm-hmm. guy had like the... It was just every orifice that he could jam something in. He looked like one of those like scrapper guys that just like collects everything they can to go and scrap. And he wants mm-hmm. to make it count, but it's out of like an old Buick. And those are the guys that'll go through... A, a whole city and never get touched by enforcement. Yeah. And, and then there's there's going to be a guy like me that's like, hey, you know what? I don't like I don't like the way this looks. I'm going to stop and see. And like, oh, by the way, you're uh, six ounces over the limit. So, by the way, uh, we're yeah. going to take your license and here's fifteen hundred in fines and your court dates here. Have a nice day. <laughs> by the way, a wrecker's coming. You're riding in the back. <laughs> you know, it, th- that's the kind of stuff that happens. And so the guy that's sitting here trying to be honest with, with stuff and, and actually learn all this confusing, you know, rules of the road, it tends to be the guy that gets screwed while Mr. Scrap Guy um, yeah. goes and yeah. breaks every law imaginable yeah, at a super that's slow it. rate of speed so he doesn't lose any of his precious metals. And so any... We're talking a lot about <clears throat> boat trailers. Anybody in Pennsylvania that's listening, any of our PA listeners, has any idea on this stuff? Shoot us a message. Yeah, we're on the uh, we're on the fence about it now. Uh, we certainly like to do things the correct way and the legal way uh, in the company. So, if you know anything? Let's know. We're talking to we're talking to the notaries and stuff. So, I mean, we have heard from them, and they they said. Don't worry about it, but it still but that, didn't give us that. It didn't give us that, like you know, vote of confidence. Wouldn't it? Yeah, be like, oh well, the notary said this. Yeah, well, you're not the notary, so come with me, boy. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So, but yeah, so it, it, it's a confusing thing. And this is like the little PSA. If you're pulling one from out of state or even in state, be sure to check because you don't want to have to be like some people that I've, you know, have heard. I don't know. Have to, you know, they get a brand new boat trailer and mm-hmm. they get a ticket, you know, halfway through the season because they don't have brakes on both axles. Next thing you know, your brand new trailer, you're pulling an axle off to rig another axle up with brakes. God, yeah. That's not really what you want to do. So, <clears throat> no, especially with a boat attached to it. Yeah. You know, that's just so a bunch of rigmarole. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's trailers. Okay. So yeah, if you had to choose, do you want four tires and four <laughs> sets of brakes? <laughs> or would you rather have one set of tires and no brakes? It, it starts to really snowball up. The, mm-hmm. Do you want to have over double the maintenance? Yeah, it would be yeah. nice to have that. I, like I said, it looks. I, it's easy to think back to those simple days. No brakes, no nothing. You just go. Yeah, like mm-hmm. like my fourteen foot boat. We've all had those yes. little boats that require nothing but the something else to consider like i wanted to bring this up when todd was talking when those tires just vaporize those trailer tires a lot of trailer tires are smaller than your car tires because they're smaller in diameter they need to spin faster to equal the same miles per hour it's it's Mm -hmm. going right back to the gear ratio and spools and you know double tens but really, what it comes down to is you have one of those little baby balloony tires that might be a 12-inch in diameter. It's spinning twice as fast as a 24-inch yeah. diameter. So by the time you see that it's like, oh, this thing's popped, it could be doing 10,000 RPM versus your car's doing 5,000. And it's just yes. like, I can't take it. Kaboom. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> yeah, and you're doing 70 down the interstate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So something to consider there. That's part of the, and I've had those trailers that had those really wide, but they're like marshmallow tires. Yeah. I see those and I just like driving down the highway. I like to look at them. Those things are just spinning and spinning. You're like, your bearings better be well greased on those. (laughs) So anyways, crazy. Okay. Let's, let's kind of jump into this. Um, So there's two new boats in the family. I went from being the only boat to being not only the shortest, but and the oldest. Um, And the only ranger. I'm not the only one anymore. I got family now. Yeah. You got to look up to your elders. (laughs) Yeah, we we picked up boats. Uh, We picked up our rangers. I picked mine up first. Todd got his a couple days later and... uh, we're in the process now uh, of breaking them in and getting a feel, obviously how they tow behind the truck and stuff like that. And the legality of things and getting them registered. That's another unsettling thing in Pennsylvania. When you go to register your boat, you don't get the numbers for you the, know, whole ID. Four, the whole ID for four to six weeks. And that's just a pain in the ass because you know, in, it puts a target on your back. Sixteen in sixteen days, 
Todd and I are going to be in the water pretty much every day, and we're going to be out there that looks, you know, on a boat with no numbers initially. And, and it's one uh, of them looks like it's running. Uh, it, it's a it's a mule hauling drugs from one end to the other because it's murdered out. <laughs> oh yeah, um, you know. So that's that's always annoying. But we have a good uh, you know rapport with the sheriffs up there and whatnot, and uh, you know we'll go over and talk to them and say, hey, we're going to be out there with no numbers. We swear to God, these things are registered. But uh, you know. Pennsylvania doesn't send them for a while. So that's, that's kind of like the first glance of all the, you know, getting them registered and getting them legal. That stuff's annoying, all that paperwork and, and stuff. Uh, you know, and that's like one of the first things that people ask, like, did you fish out of it yet? It's like, no, I have not fished out of this boat yet. I just got it. I'm trying to get used to it. I'm literally just pleasure riding out there. Uh, with no rods up. Yeah, the break-in time on a motor, yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, we'll put a rod out. Well, okay, I'll put a rod out, but I have to be at like 4,000 and 5,000 RPMs at this yeah. hour. So <laughs> good luck with that, fishing uh, at that time. But Just trim it up. Yeah. Just trim just it trim. W- tr- way up and just let it s- blow a fountain out the back. <laughs> but, uh... You know, I mean, I could just, you know, it, it, my first day when I went to pick it up, I was really excited. Um, I got to see it for the first time and picked it up, uh, brought it immediately to Andy's. Which I had the pole barn almost completely ready for him. The mm-hmm. only reason why it wasn't completely ready, and here's my excuse, anyone with young kids you might as well take what a five minute job and make it a half hour job. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't get and, done. So I had and, to make room and, for the boat. Right. And also a good thing. If, if you're like nutsy nervous about your brand new boat and you don't want to get it like smudged up and scratched up and, you know, all pretty much like, you know, molested, uh, you can, ease into that and get past that point by taking it to somebody that has kids because those kids are going to jump in the boat (laughs) and like completely destroy it within like the first five minutes. So I was pretty much over like, you know, any water stains or dock marks on the boat. Yeah. If Vance's boat smells like urine. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. My kids did not pee in it, but they were, in a very cute three and a half year old's way, more or less was saying he was going to burn his boat to the ground. <laughs> yeah, and, and they have not. They have not stopped saying. That. I mean, they will. They run out the door and they're like, "There's vans. Like, we're going to burn your boat to the ground." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, jeez." I'm like, "No, like you don't. You don't. You're like, you, you. You don't know so what innocent. you're saying." Yeah, you're so innocent. You don't know how like uh, tough that is for me to hear because I've had so many problems with boats and stuff. Like, I'm like, you can you can break. They're like, we're, that's all they would say. I'm gonna break your boat. I'm gonna burn it to the ground. They're hitting all these buttons and stuff. And uh, I'm like, yeah, that's fine. Because guess who's gonna have to fix it? Your dad. So whatever. So, that, so essentially, <laughs> you're giving them permission to do this. <laughs> 
I had a security blanket, you know? Yeah, it's it's anyone with kids will know exactly what we're talking about. It it's maddening and it, and, and at some point like it's not that my kids are wild, but there's a breaking point in parents you're just like, you know what? They're alive and they're not bleeding. I'm just going to watch them. Go. Yes. Yeah, just let them go. But yeah, they were cool. they were climbing in the live well. Mm-hmm. I have a picture of my daughter poking her head out of the live well. Opening up storage <laughs> compartments I didn't even know were there. Whatever, Making up, you know. yes. So they explored it very well. Any any hatch or compartment will be found by a you know young children. So mm-hmm. that was that they, that first night. They definitely like the horn. Oh gosh, mm-hmm. yes, yes. That no. was. That was the one thing, like, the kids were like, where's the horn button? Your daddy, yours has yeah. a horn. <laughs> <laughs> they found it. Yes. But, yeah, that was, uh, we we did that. Andy and I did, did a couple things on it. Um, ran some Project X wires. Um, you know, and we, we, you just go over the things. Where are the rods going to go? Where am I going to put my baits? Uh, how am I going to put? position people in charters um because that's what todd and i were pretty uh, that was our main concern you know we wanted the boats on our person so that we could figure out where we were going to put everything uh, and you know kind of get a uh, a walkthrough of what a charter day was going to you know look like with with all the gear uh, and and we're still doing that right now mm-hmm. um what seemed like put, a very basic task of just like, oh, put your stuff in this boat. You could have all your stuff sitting there and just looking around and you're like, well, let's hurry up and do nothing. You're mm-hmm. just sitting there looking and deciding and weighing options. And I think we've That's said it what before. I've done yeah. For two days. Yeah. That's what I've been doing for two days. <laughs> and that was, you know, what I loved about my last boat. I was just like, I can put everything in here somewhere. There was unbelievable storage in that boat. That was its probably best perk. Um, this one, it's a little different. You know, we're going to have to be choosy on, on baits, downsize on some of those. Uh, I don't really think that that's going to affect the way that we fish at all. No. Uh, no. You know, it, it's probably good for us. But, um, you know, and, and then uh, outside of that, rods is huge. We have a lot of rods on the boat. Six trolling rods, backups for the trolling rods, four or five casting poles. Where are all those going to go? So you scramble to try to, you know, we're bouncing ideas off of each other where, where we're going to put stuff. And it's just kind of been an ongoing process through that. Uh, and we put the boat, <clears throat> I think after I left Andy's, um, and put the boat on the, the water and ran it. And in the first, you know, the first couple hours of your break in is kind of boring. You just kind of sit there and run it at low RPMs and stuff and just get a little feel for it. And then you eventually can uh, creep up into the higher RPMs and, uh, you know, play with whole shot and uh, top speed and what it does when it hits a wave and, and, and things of that nature. Um, and that's it. And, uh, you know, of course, Andy and I played with the, how we could 
make this thing, uh, make it as fast as it could go. And I know that, we, you know, we, we make fun of that, of, of how we can kind of push the limits of it. But honestly, the, the 10 hours in the boat is, is really the only time that I'm going to be using this, uh, top speed. And I'm kind of driven to think, to make it have max performance essentially. Uh, because once the, once you're guiding and whatnot, uh, it just doesn't matter. You're not out there like, Hey guys, hold on, you know, make wind blow in your face at 50 some miles an hour. That's real comfortable. Um, you know, and have all your lunch and, gear and hats fly out into the water um but you know so the first the first 10 hours is is just fun when you can open it up and just kind of tinker with things and try to make it go fast play around no responsibilities yeah i'm just kind of on a on a boat ride and you know i never really get get to do that and just kind of enjoy the scenery and stuff and i know todd's the same way and uh so I had I had a fun time in in the first ten hours. We changed the prop, we lifted the motor, we dropped the motor, uh, you know, kind of figured out where I'm I'm comfortable with where it is. I think it's running where it should be, um, and I'm really impressed by its whole shot. Uh, the thing just comes out of the hole, so you know it's it's a lot of fun. It just really throws you back into the seat, and uh, like I said, I'm I'm never going to be on a charter and be like, well, here we go guys and, and drop the hammer and just start moving. Uh, you know, so it was kind of fun to just do that on your own. I kind of, I generally just like ease into getting it up on plane and then play with, with getting to the, you know, the spot where we're going to start fishing. But, uh, you know, so I just, I enjoyed that part of it. Yeah, and, the, and it, <clears throat> I got to drive the boat a little bit a few days later. And the thing that, and and Todd, tell me if you you you've experienced this. There are some boats the whole shot is like it has to dig out of a hole, and there's other mm-hmm. boats that just seem to move forward and then just rise up very gently. You ever experienced that? Yeah, I mean, I experienced in my last boat, and it just all had to do with how many people were in there. Okay. You know? <laughs> it did, it, yeah, it was a yeah. Because I've I've had some boats in the past that you just push the throttle forward, and it was just like, and it yeah. just so gracefully comes up on plane. My Ranger right now is like, I have to like touch the you know I'm I'm hitting the throttle if I'm trying to ease into it. There's a spot to where it's just like just give it some more and let it let it just climb out and it might just you know it's it's, it's a hall design kind of thing yeah. it seemed like vance's is more of the the gentle it's just gonna move forward real nice and it's just gonna get you up high and, and go and i imagine that's probably gonna be the same with your boat yours hasn't hit mm-hmm. water yet mm-hmm. but that's very very convenient <clears throat> to have that gentle hole shot as opposed to the one that's like you're sitting there just spinning yeah. the prop. I, I think without how the boats are designed now and you know, a lot of I think a lot of the companies are putting you know, with the with the motors, they're they're not letting you really underpower them anymore. Uh with 
with the boat. So, I, you know, a lot of that whole shot, I think, comes with what your throttle hand's doing, with how you're gonna, how you're gonna, how you're gonna do it. Uh, you know, like say, yeah, you're not sitting there trying to spool up a, a sixty horse on a, mm-hmm. you know, night like like Todd's boat. Todd's boat would not go anywhere with a sixty horse. Right. But, you know, there was a time where there was a lot of boat. I don't, I'm not even going to say a lot. There's one brand in particular that I know that would advertise underpowering a boat right from the get go to have it mm-hmm. be very attractive, that price number. Price wise, yeah. Price wise, yeah. And, and that happens a lot with where, where we're at uh, in Pennsylvania with a lot of the lakes being, you know, 10 horse or 20 horse. I remember my uncle's boats. He had. And he still has this tiller, um, you know, it was like 16 foot, six inches or something and 80 foot wide. And the first motor he had on it was a 20. And this, it was a, it's a Sylvan, it's a Sylvan back troller select. I'm sure people have seen those. That thing would not move if you put two fishermen in there. I mean, you couldn't even get that thing up on plane. And I'm just surprised that they would sell that that way and think that it was okay. Uh, and he was like, yeah, I, um, I took it up to Canada once and we got stuck in waves and I would never do that again. I, I just nixed Pennsylvania fishing because, you know, my heart was in, in another area to fish. And, you know, I just said, I'm not, I'm not going to go to these lakes anymore because it's just yeah. not worth having this, this low horsepower on here. You know, so say Todd and I were like going in there and we wanted to get hit this price point and we were like, okay, give us the Rangers and we're going to put sixties uh, on them. It'd be like, yeah, that's, it's not going to happen. Yeah. We'd sooner put Orlocks in these things than <clears throat> give you a 60. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just buy just buy the 20 and then use it and you can get on mm-hmm. your lakes. And, Cause the sixties yeah. essentially going to do the same thing as the 20. Yeah. 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 But, uh, at first glance, you know, the I had a a Yami on my my first boat. I had the two hundred Verado on the other one, and now I have a two twenty five Yami on on the back of, of this boat. And uh, those Verados and and the Mercury, they're so much more quiet than the motor that I have now. Is I was just used to that, you know, firing it up, and it was just like. Hmm you can't even hear the thing back there and I'm sitting right next to it. The only thing you would hear is pretty much wind and going, going across your ears, but uh, you can kind of hear these yummies and stuff like that. It's, is that a good sound or a bad sound? I mean, it's not a bad sound, but you know, and it's not what you you're just, used to. It's just not what you're used to. Yes. But you know, whatever it pushes the boat. And, you know, I'm excited about it. I'm happy with that motor. And I wish it was all decked out in black, but, you know, it couldn't happen if you listened to a couple podcasts ago. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm happy with that. I'm happy with the little kicker on it. Uh, excited, excited to run that and not put all the hours on the big motor. And, you know, that was something to get used to for me. Uh, dropping the kicker and, and, uh, letting it ride. I've been fishing with one motor my entire life. 
know, that's all I did was fish out of tillers. So this is all, uh, you know, this is turning your world upside down because, you know, <clears throat> I've owned a windshield boat, but I have a, I have a single console right now. I had a single console prior to this one. Um, so you're going from a tiller to a walkthrough controls and you have an extra set of controls because of the kicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's completely different for me. So I had to, I had to get used to it there in, in the first 10 hours. And that's a big reason why I really didn't, you know, fish and, and whatnot, because I was still, uh, you know, just trying to get used to, uh, the steering wheel. And, yeah, the steering wheel and everything like that. It's <laughs> so strange. I never, you know, the uh, the steering wheels are on the uh, the opposite side of what you drive a car in on a boat. I never really understood that. But um, I was just going to bring that up because that was a question I posed a few years ago. I'm like, why is it normal to have the the wheels on the on the other sides of the car? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it feels, it feels normal. It feels normal in a boat because you're not dealing with, you know, sides of streets you're supposed to be on and and stuff. But, uh, you know, that that it's just something, it's just something I'm not used to. It's something I'm, I'm, uh, it's a learning process and, you know, it's fine. I can drive it. So excited about it. Nice. So Todd, give us some first impressions. First impression sparkly <laughs> well that's gonna that's wrap this show right up now. yeah that's all i have and my daughter when uh she came home from school was sitting in the driveway and she went wow that's sparkly i said that's exactly what i said honey and did you say go destroy it for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah she jumped in and found a horn in like 10 seconds yeah <laughs> Yeah, I kept saying that too because I did. I did have some some woes and whatnot, just because uh, you know it's something I'm getting used to. The first time I went to put the boat on the trailer, I you know you're you're trying to when you get a new boat, it's it's pretty simple, you know, if you're used to doing that. But uh, you have to find that sweet spot when you, you know, how far you back your trailer in to launch it and also drive it on. And the only way you do that, it, it, it's a guess, you know, it's trial and error. So I erred on uh, the first time I put it back in and it kind of went out on all cockeyed. And I was like 10 feet away from the, from the winch and I had to like throttle it up and it still wasn't enough. And I like hopped over hooked it up to, you know, hooked it up to the boat and was like pulling this 2,400, you know, pound boat up to, up to the, uh, to, to the know, bow roller. To, and I was like sweating. I'm just like, at least it's sparkly. At least it's <laughs> <Yeah>. sparkly. <laughs> at least it's sparkly. And pe- people were looking at me and stuff like that. And it, and I was on Chautauqua Lake. I was like, thank God this doesn't say like Muddy Creek Fishing Guides right now. They'd be like, look at that idiot. What, what, would, you have, going with <laughs> what would you have done if, if like one guy came over here? Hey, let me help you. I can see this the first time you've done this. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you this. The first time I launched it. So I'm trying to find the sweet spot. And Todd, you're going to do, do the same thing. Yeah. Because it's a, it is a lot different than they yeah. sit a lot lower than Lund's, than your Lund did. 
Yeah. Okay. So you know this guy. I don't know if I told you this. You know the bass guy that you know you mm-hmm. always show the crappy bass yeah, or that's yeah, all yeah. annihilated to. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> he's he's driving in. Okay. And he has somebody fishing with him. And he you can hear him putzing into the ramp, like giving this guy instructions mm-hmm. on how he is to back up this truck. Mm-hmm. And here and I'm I'm putting the boat in. I got my mother with me, my fiance with me. I'm trying to figure out how far I want to back this down so I can with ease get this off with two ropes. You know, and Todd and I launch the boat alone all the time, and that's the way we want it. So I'm trying to, you know, play it out as if nobody's there. Well, this guy's coming in. He drops his buddy off at the dock. The guy goes up and gets the the truck. He is zigzagging his way, like, right into my truck. And the guy guy in the bass boat is just MFing and screaming. He's like, I left, right, left, you idiot, screaming at this this kid. (laughs) So... I told my mom and, and fiance just to go, you know, take a seat and enjoy the show and watch this stuff. This is real life. This is what happens. And uh, so at this point, my boat's still on on the trailer. It's not, you know, it's not hooked up to the winch. It's not, it's just sitting there. I'm ready to pull it, pull it off and, and walk it back and connect it to the docks and pull my truck out. Well, while this is happening, the guy is driving his boat onto the trailer next to me and he is screaming because the guy didn't back up far enough and he is full throttle almost on his yeah. 225 optimax and it's kicking up waves and kicking up all this all this crap and debris and nasty stuff that's floating in there and it's just like spritzing my boat i'm banging into the docks i'm trying to hold this boat off of the docks i'm like <laughs> Why are you? What is the matter with you? That's what that's what, hap, that's what happened on 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 the first time I went to launch it. Uh, I know firsthand that by yelling at the person in the truck really seems to smooth the process out. Mm-hmm. The first time I had my my little fourteen foot Monarch, you know, I learned a lot. You know, I went to Little Lake LaBeouf over here and I didn't have any anything to indicate where the trailer ended. And if you have a truck and you can't see your trailer, I don't care how good you are at backing up. If you can't see it, you, you can't back it up. Mm-hmm. And so I was I ended up taking the uh, anchor light, ratchet strapping it to the back so I could at least see where it's at. So anyways... So I, I get it in the water, no big deal at this point. I'm like, okay, things are cool. I'm like, I'm not an idiot. I didn't back it down far enough, like what Vance was talking about. So she was my girlfriend at the time, but my wife was in the in the truck. I said, okay, back it down a little bit more. And and by this time, this place gets just, I don't know. I don't know why people congregate at this launch. It's a little, it, the lake's cool, but it's it's just a small little dumpy lake. And it's just like this little parking lot fills up and everyone just kind of sits on this like dock that the fish commission has put in there and they're all watching. So I'm like, like center stage here, you know, and Mm -hmm. I'm struggling this and that. So I say, Hey, back it up a little bit. I'm yelling to her. Well, she backed it up like a lot. Mm -hmm. And my response (laughs) was not the one that 
a woman likes to hear. I said to her, I said, what part of a little didn't you understand? (laughs) (laughs) Everyone heard it. (laughs) (laughs) So that didn't make things any better. So I learned that yelling at the boat launch does not smooth problems out because I ended up getting the boat on just fine eventually, but then I had problems for the next couple hours yeah. <laughs> after that. It's, it's not, not really an enjoyable experience on the water after that. No, and I try to lend a hand with when I see people are struggling, but sometimes when I see people starting to yell, I'm like, yeah, they can figure this one out on their own. Yeah, I'll leave this go. Yeah, so... That's that's just that's another annoying part of having the boat for the first time is trying to find the sweet spot. And honestly, I don't think that I don't think that I've I've found it yet. I'm not comfortable in letting it go, like I did with my last one. Mm-hmm. You know, because it was just you know I did it you know 500 times or so. You know, you, I was just comfortable with it. I knew when when the back end of it raised off and. I was comfortable backing it down without it connected to the trailer. And, and, uh, and then I, I launched it two other times on a different ramp that, uh, on, on Lake Erie, I had two flat, calm days on Lake Erie. So I just went and, and, uh, and broke the motors in there. And the launch that I was, uh, that I, that I chose to put the boat in that was it's very steep and I, I lost the boat behind me. I couldn't see it as Andy was uh, talking about. And, and that makes for a really difficult situation. And the launch that I did choose to, to put in that is, is generally a very busy launch because it's big and there's a lot of space and, and whatnot. And there's a lot of walleye that come by this launch. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I lost it in my vision and I was just like, Oh man, this, this kind of sucks. I'm going to look like an idiot again, launching this thing. And, uh, but I guess I really wasn't because I still did it faster than the people around me, which kind of like maybe pump the brakes on it and give me some confidence that I was, I was just fine. I'm just going to have to get used to how it's, you know, a lot heavier and, the ass end of it lifts at different points and uh, you know, I'll get it with repetition such as life. Todd, are you scared yet? No, (laughs) but I did launch the same boat for like 16 years. So Mm -hmm. it's going to, I know it's going to be different. As I said, I haven't got to go as far as this is all going to change this weekend. We're going to get her on the water, but, uh, sparkly now todd you brought up a point the other day Mm -hmm. you can reach in this boat while it's on the trailer yeah i can yeah i can like open up lids and stuff so that's nice yes because like my crest liner was very much like todd's lund and very much like vance's 2080 you pretty much have to crawl inside of it to do anything I have a little step ladder here that I jumped in and yeah, I couldn't even, you can't even hardly, you can hardly look in those boats. Yep. Because they were just sitting on the trailers. Not that the boat was any different size. It was the way they were on those trailers. So I know I'm not going to have to go back near as far. Mm-hmm. Every launch is different. As Vance just said, the, the steepness of them, 
every launch is so different. Uh, you just got to know where that trailer wants to sit. And even if it's sitting in the right place, it's a real steep launch. Some launches, you don't put it back as far. So it's going yeah, to be learning. That's what you get. Is there anything else that you're, that you're excited, <laughs> apprehensive, any of this stuff? Yeah, I um, learn how to use everything. So, yeah, we have autopilots. We have to uh, figure out, and um, but it's automatic. Why do you have to learn it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, did you want to? We got we got that auto that Ray Marine autopilot on these on these rigs, and uh, you know, I mean, Todd, you can allude to why we we chose to, to get those things. We're not using it for, it's like in depth, but what it, it's, it's actual potential, but yeah. I mean, we're just talking about getting up, keeping it going straight, get up, walk away from the wheel, go back, check some rods. Are you saying you trust a computer over someone who's never been in a boat before? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely. what I thought. yep for sure and i think we've we've hit on this before Uh, you know i i can relate to lake lake erie when you stuff is going on whether you're having a fire drill for fish or you're, you're getting lines tangled or something and generally there's a couple guys that know how to run the boat know everything when those guys get called back and someone else has to take the wheel there's generally a couple couple people that I've I've seen. It's the people that like they'll sit there and put their wrist up on on the at twelve o'clock, look around and keep talking. Not really. There's like, yeah, I'm driving. I'm not putting in the yeah. ditch. <laughs> not really doing it. Yeah. There's the other people that are so freaking out that they don't know what to do, but because they're not relaxing, they're not going the way they need to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then you occasionally you get lucky and just be like, you see that whatever point on the horizon drive to it yeah and, and those are the ones if they can just focus on driving to that are the ones that can save the day but i'm gonna tell you what like i remember one time i'm not gonna name the person who was doing it like you have to drive the boat right now. Oh, i've never you have to drive this boat go straight well okay and i look at the gps i'm like why are we doing a big circle yeah well h- how do you know i'm like well first off look at the motor you haven't had yeah. this thing straight the whole time. And by the way, you never broke stride in conversation either. So, And by the way, all the lines are tangled. tangled. Yes, yeah. and we're done yes. for the day. <laughs> by the way, we're going in after I cut all this. Yeah. I'm, I'm just waiting for the time I take off with the kicker down. And, you'll, and, you'll know it. And on. And on. Oh, no, God. You know right. <laughs> well, and on, yeah. And on. I'm going Great. So I just sucked up a bunch of exhaust at the kicker. I doubt it will ever start again. That's right. That's good. <laughs> so hopefully next time we uh, we do a solo show, we'll be able to talk more about Todd's running. Now, Todd, what colors did you get? I know that's a big question people were wondering. Oh, it's has no carpet, so it's all white inside. White no no skid and uh it's a mix of gray white black but it's predominantly light light in color 
I don't yeah. know. I mean, I, I mean, for, uh, from the outside, it's kind of, you know, there's some black and gray, dark gray, spark, sparkly. It's sparkly. Okay. That's my, that's the word I'm, I can't get away from. It, it, it's it's been said a lot on this show. Yeah. <laughs> it's sparkly. It's, it's, it's sharp, really. I mean, that's the, yeah. the color. Color patterns are really it's, cool it's, looking. It's cool. The, the interior is, for anyone that, that's interested, is that intercoastal on the 1880. Yeah. It's at, uh, I think it's up on the Ranger website. Yeah. Got to be one of the first ones, too. And I, I know I like that. It is, it's, I'm, I know I'm going to like that. Got a nice wash down kit, hose it out. Yeah. That I like. For so sure. w- when you catch all your yep. tunas and you're out there, you know, filleting yeah. them up, you can just hose down. Yeah, when we're clubbing muskies, it'll be easier to clean the blood. <laughs> That's right. But, uh... I'm pumped. I mean, we got 16 days here. And then we're fishing nonstop. We gotta get this... We gotta get these rigs mastered. Yeah. Six weeks from now, we'll have <laughs> a lot of time in them. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll be good. Nice. Well, before I end this show, I wanted to give a big shout out. We, I'm going to say a couple weeks ago, I got a nice big giant package, some more fan mail. I'm calling it fan mail. And uh, I'm not going to use the guy's name, but full name. I'm just going to say, Pete, you know who you are. Um, just, I, I want to at least kind of run down some stuff. He, he gave a really nice written, it's typed up, not handwritten. Uh, breakdown it just it's a full page it's and it's it's really really thoughtful it's an incredible thing and you know in this box i'm not gonna i'm not gonna name everything but it's really cool i'm finding a place to where i want to put this i got this old old spearing decoy at least i think it's really old and vance you got to see it what was your thoughts mm-hmm. on that that's huge it might be 15 inches long you know and uh but there was a lot of detail to it for what age it seemed to it, be. It had pennies in it. Now, of course, there's the, the the dates on the pennies. You know, you could go and find them today. But, you know, it was neat. There was pennies embedded on the side. It was a Duluth spearing decoy. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's going to fit really cool. I'm going to try to figure out a way that I can put it next to Ranger somehow. I'm going to, I might put a little J hook into a stud or something like that. And, or, uh, you know, overhead and, and hang it here. Um, just really neat stuff there. Vance, you got a bunch of old baits. I mean, a yeah, bunch of a, them. It's, a, yeah, the stuff's incredible. It's uh, old school game room stuff uh, and so thoughtful. And I mean, I, I, I can know. see that that stuff, you know, kind of fitting in, you know, at your camper. Like Todd has his camper all rigged out, kind of like I have my pole barn with just, he decorated the way he wanted it. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. that vintage stuff that, you know, you walk into like an antique shop, you know, on a lake that's, you know, that has history of stuff like that. You see these, these things in it. Yeah. We talk about it all the time. When I go to, into those old bait stores, my eyes go up. I start looking at stuff on the ceilings, you know, above the purchases. I, I, you know, I'd rather, rather get that stuff. I think that stuff's a lot cooler and, uh, this listener sent us uh, also an individual package of, of things that that uh, are like that and uh, kind of floored me. I thought it was amazing. So 
I really appreciate that. Yeah, and then Todd, Todd's one big one. It was I thought it was really neat. It was just now I've sent I sent a picture to Todd, but it's mm-hmm. it's uh, I haven't got to see it yet. Yeah, yeah, he hasn't got to hit, lay his hands on it yet. But you know, it was a, it was a picture like I think it's old timey, but you know, I don't know if if it's really if it is or isn't because you can do a lot with black and white filters and stuff on cameras anymore. But to me, it looks, it looks, you know, of the vintage back in yesteryear, some guys holding a muskie, you know, either they're going to release it or milk it or do something. It is something to do with stocking. In my opinion, I don't think it was like a, a rod and reel caught fish. Um, who knows? Maybe if I investigated some more, I just, I have that set aside for Todd, but there might be some writing on it somewhere explaining it. But the, the really, really neat thing that I think is going to hit home with Todd was, and I, I showed it, was taped onto this frame was two metal muskie tags that were from Chautauqua. I think they were dated 1952. I could, I could yeah. really look. But, and I think that's the first year they did that. Okay. Do you know any more yeah. history on that on that stuff if, if you wanted to? I think we talked about it not long ago, but break it down again if you if you know anything. Yeah, they came up with, uh, you know, there was over-harvesting going on in Ch- on Chautauqua. And uh, people used to keep keep them all. They shipped muskies all over the country. <laughs> like uh, dead or, or real fish? Yeah, dead. dead like dead, yeah. To eat them. People wanted to smoke them and stuff. And, Hard to uh, keep them whatever. wet. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really corny, you know, but... But they had a tagging... They, they did a tagging thing where you had to buy a musky license. You got five tags. They were metal. I mean, I remember them being around. My grandpa had them. I never had to buy the metal ones. And I mean, it went up until the 90s there. Turned to plastic. They did it for a long time. So you got five tags. It was like getting five deer tags. You get five, you could keep five fish a year. That was it. Uh, That's neat. Now, how do you think that would play into like today? Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, the reason they did away with it was, you know, it was like a $5 license and they were printing these tags and they were trying to get feedback and people. And by the time it got into the early nineties there, when they did away with it, there was, it had become a catch and early sport. Uh, they weren't getting any feedback and they just did, did away with the whole thing. So how old were you in 1952? Yeah, I was not around then. Sure. Yeah, I was testing <laughs> I your math yet. skills. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Minus seventeen. Sixteen, seventeen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. My dad yeah. was only about ten, twelve, something like that. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah, that. But that's, I mean, that's going back a ways. I mean that that's that's old cool history stuff. Oh yeah, I like that, and I have some of those old metal tags that up at the camp on display as andy said and the plastic ones and no i can you, remember taking them out of my box you know take out the tags from the year before throw them in the garbage and you put your next tags in not that we never kept we never kept one but you had to buy the license so you had to if you wanted to fish them you had to buy the license yeah so, incredible now did they have neat, size neat limits stuff. back then yeah i can't remember it it Chautauqua was a place that had a 40 inch size on it pretty early on. Going back to the early 80s, they had the fish kill there with the red spot, and you know, they they jumped it. You know, it wasn't like Pennsylvania where it was two, two 30 inches a day, 
you know, it was something like that going way back because people, you can read about where they like to keep the smaller ones, the ones they wanted to eat more. I just had a guy call about a charger that was talking about, he's an older fella. He's in the seventies and he was talking about how much he liked to eat them. I said, you know, we're going to release these fish. He said, well, what's the size limit? You know, I said, well, it's 40 inches. Oh, geez. Well, we went on and on. And at the end of it, I couldn't take him the days he wanted to go. So Vance is going to have to take him and make him release these fish. Uh, oh, shit. I didn't know that. <laughs> no. You're going to set up an arm wrestling table. Be like, I got to arm wrestle you. He didn't look up. But at the end of the whole thing, I thought he understood that. TTM. No, but by the end of the conversation, I thought we had it figured out. Like, we're going to put them back anyhow. It doesn't matter what the size limit is. But he's like, I just, there's just for some reason, I haven't done this since I was eight years old. And, you know, I never caught one and I'm 78 now. And uh, I just love eating those smoked muskies. And like, well, we're going to release them, remember? <laughs> <laughs> He didn't call back. So, oh man, I've never yummy. smoked. I, I've never smoked like a white fish like that. You have you ever eaten, you know, like a, a smoked no, walleye or a smoked no. pike? No, I'm no, I never did. No, I feel like that wouldn't. I feel like I wouldn't be any. I just feel I'm, like it wouldn't wouldn't like particleize too easy. Yeah, I don't know. We're not really smoking. No. So. So. Okay, wait. So this guy is not coming, correct? Not as of yet. He's still. So he's okay. gonna call me back. He's thinking about <laughs> it. I told him I'm not gonna keep one, but I know a guy. <laughs> <laughs> I got a guy. <laughs> of course. That'll be that'll be, that'll be a pleasurable day on the water. You just catch a couple thirty eights and get out of there. Yeah, yeah. Since you get to select the, <laughs> the size of fish, what's going to happen is going to be like a fifty four enters. <laughs> that would be that would be horrific if I was like, all right, we're taking a picture, and the guy just like wrestles it and starts like punching it in the head or clubs it. Like, yeah, he just slowly in the background, he pulls out this club and wallops it. Like, I brought my old club. There has to be there has to be stories like that in in the guiding. I mean, Todd, I'm sure you, you you've never told me a story where a guy like you know went to fisticuffs to keep this fish or something like that. No, I was guiding, but it happened when it happened when I was a teenager because I was releasing, and we always we did used to always keep one and take it back. To, this is when we were up in Canada. We would bring a fish home. We'd put it on a grill and we'd have like a a party. Mm-hmm. And uh, usually it was the underage party where we had some extra beer somewhere, but we would grill a muskie and mm-hmm. put it on a grill. And I was, I was all into the releasing and uh, I had a friend uh, one year I kept putting him back in and he came we caught one like at the last day. I was like, well, you know, maybe we'll keep one if it's like bleeding. Like we're going back into the eighties here. You know, maybe we'll keep one if it's like bleeding real bad or something. That'd be a good one to keep. And, uh, I caught, I caught one and, uh, he netted it 
and uh, you know we we were getting it unhooked and stuff, and he he clubbed it over the head. Oh my He's god! Like, we're keeping this one. We need oh, one god. for the we need one for the annual party, and I'm like, well, I guess we got to keep that one. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so we always come back to killing muskies on this podcast <laughs> for some reason, but we really don't kill them. No. No, that did happen, and I was like, oh, yeah, I guess we'll keep that one. It was like a 43. Wow. Perfect. So I just wanted to at least uh, give a podcast shout-out to the the generosity of Pete. So, Oh, heck, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I can't wait to see it. Thank you. Yeah, and he's going to be on your guys' boats here soon, too. Yes, I know. He's coming in July. That'll be great. It was, and you guys will be out there banging fish, baby. You mm-hmm. will. You will. Way to fit that in. Very nice. I, I almost forgot it. <laughs> so, um, anyways, if you're not into banging fish on the head, baby, perhaps you should check into Muskie's Inc. They're the ones that really spearheaded the, the national movement of saving the muskies, you know, Catch, photo, release. I don't know if they coined that phrase, but that was a big, a big thing. Is the, is the releasing of the fish? So, um, check a local chapter and join it. Become part of the solution. I'm not going to say you're a problem if you're not, but get unified, strengthen numbers. So, big thanks to Muskie's Inc. Chautauqua Lake Showdown, June 23rd. Where can you find info on that, Vance? Get a hold of Zach Baker uh, in Muskie's Inc. Cha- chapter 69. Uh, it's all over Facebook. If you want to sign up for it, get a hold of Zach. Perfect. St. Croix Rods, best rods on earth. Fatty Z Muskie products, fattyzmuskie.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And Mighty Creek Fishing Guides, mcfishingguides.com on Facebook as well. Shares our Instagram account, Vix Marine and Sports Center. Ranger Boats, big thanks to everyone. And uh, a lot of seasons are opening up, so be safe out there and good luck fishing.